0: Welcome to the Light Bears Institute podcast, where we seek to improve biblical literacy by discussing key storylines and themes in scripture. Hey, everybody, welcome back to the Light Bears podcast. We are uh, actually recording from Missouri today. We kind of take this podcast all over the place. Uh, today, I've got two of my favorite people here. We got Tori Fancher and Randy Butler, two of our Light staffers with a collective, what do you think? 10 years of experience with light bears eight
1: we both came out at the same time
0: okay eight but then if we add on tour's tour years as a student
1: then we get to 10 then we get to 10. Yes. that's that's what i was thinking there we go of. yeah, yeah clearly. Comes, clearly
0: clearly um and so thanks guys for coming and doing this today uh i know it was kind of my idea but i really appreciate you being willing to do that so um As we've walked through the New Testament, both of you guys taught on the book of Hebrews. Uh, Tori, you taught in Fayetteville, and Randy, you taught in Oklahoma at Oklahoma State. And so uh, that's what we're going to walk through. But before I get to that, um, introduce yourself briefly, okay? And here's how I want you to do that. Give us, uh, and by us, I mean me and the podcast listeners, uh, give us uh, something in your life that you're enjoying these days.
2: Well, um, my name is Tori Fancher. I work with the directors on staff with Light Bearers and something that's been really sweet this season is the community um, that I have in my life right now. Our community group is at that stage where we're starting to get extremely close and doing fun things together and opening up more, and so it's just a sweet season of that, and I'm um, starting to. I'm an old soul, and so we started a book club, and so we get to discuss literature together. Um, so it's just been a sweet season of friends and uh, relationships there.
0: Cool. What's the last book you read in your book club?
2: Last book we read was Just Mercy, which is a fantastic book to read by Brian Stevenson. Okay, and so it discusses death row inmates who may uh, have been placed there. Uh, wrongly. And so the justice system there. Cool.
0: Uh, Randy, tell us kind of the same, give us a little context on what you do with light bears. Um, I didn't even ask her to do that. And she did it, which was great. So give us a little context. <laughs> what do you do with light bears and, uh, maybe a little bit about your family and kind of what you're what's something you're enjoying these days?
1: Mm-hmm. Um, okay. So my name is Randy Butler, I live in Stillwater, Oklahoma, been there 16 years. Um, I do women's discipleship, and part time. When I say part time, I don't know that there's actually set hours, but um, that's what I do. <laughs> um, officially part time. Officially part time, but y- yeah, ministry just does what it does. <laughs> You've
0: answered text at one in the morning before. <laughs> yes,
1: <laughs> it's good. It's all. It's all good things. Um, Something really sweet this season of life has been doing ministry with other close friends that are also doing college ministry. Um, I have one in particular in Stillwater that's also doing college ministry, and we get to sit and pray with each other. We meet every other week to pray over each other's students and and kind of discuss things out loud, things that are hard, things that are going well. And I think that's been an encouraging year for both of us to sit and talk through that together and and just have another sister praying over things, even though we don't give each other specific names. They they are praying with me in a lot of sense. And I love that.
0: That's cool. That's really cool. It's interesting. Both of you guys on some level mentioned community there something Mm -hmm. you're enjoying right now. So, uh, okay, well let's dive into Hebrews. We at this point where we've gone through uh, a chunk of the new Testament and again, books can kind of run together a little bit. You got all the Paul books, you got Peter books, but there are all these letters. And, and so Hebrews is different, though. There's there's a uniqueness to it. So talk for a second about what makes Hebrews unique, uh, and then we'll dive into some of those th- specific content matters. But in terms of author, audience, all that kind of stuff, what, what makes it unique uh,
1: mm-hmm. as you look at it? Yeah. Um, so for my study time, it looked very different than any other book I've been in. Particularly because we don't for sure know Who our audience is Or for sure know who our author was I mean there's lots of speculation So let read, read a lot of commentaries And I would love to say I landed somewhere specific But I really didn't um, <laughs>
0: I thought you, at this (laughs) podcast, were going to tell the world who wrote Hebrews. I
1: know. Wouldn't that be great if we could do that so definitively? But I think what um, really makes it stand out is all the Old Testament references. I mean, it is just overflowing with them, which I think is why our, our forefathers had no problem adding it to the canon. Like, it was so clearly connected to everything from the past and move forward. And so even though there were still questions on who the audience and author were, it was so, so filled with the Old Testament that you just, you couldn't pass it up. Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. And it was interesting for me to study it because I had taught Exodus and Leviticus in the fall, and then I get to see how the law and how the covenants and the sacrifices and the priesthood all of that is played out in the New Testament because Hebrews goes through all of those and shows how uh, Jesus is better and all of these things were pointing towards Him. And then it talks about Christ and Jesus so much in Hebrews. It's almost like this mini case study of Christology in one book as it goes through it. So, I mean, it really is such a unique book because it's Old Testament, it's New Testament, it's, it's systematic theology, all packed into one. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, mm-hmm. that's good. Uh, Tori, you mentioned the phrase Jesus being better. Randy, I know that's something that you looked at as well. Uh, I mean, a lot of people who look at Hebrews, that's just something that jumps out is Jesus is better. And it's like, well, better than what? It's kind of like, what's he not better than? But just, I mean, walk through that theme in Hebrews a little bit, Randy. Yeah. How do you see Jesus being better? How does that show up?
1: Well, I, I think the fascinating part... I mean, if you can ever just sit and read a whole book over and over again, like a whole letter, I mean, it just begins to jump out a little more clearly. And I think better was a word that just kept popping in almost every section as I was kind of even breaking it down. Better was the word that kept coming or superior. That's another word that they use to translate. Um, And I even kind of went through my list and really chapter one begins and it goes all the way through 12 where better he has a better name, he has a better hope, there's a better covenant, there's a better mediator, there's better promises, there's a better sacrifice, there's a better possession, there's a better country still, there's a better life. And he speaks a better word. Like it just is so rich in what the the Lord has done through Christ and how that changes everything else in comparison. And I I just was blown away at that word and how it how the author used that word throughout this text.
0: And it seems like, tell me if I'm if I'm right here. I mean, it seems like there's a piece of that that's better than what has come so far in terms of better than the the angels, better than the lawless. But it's also there's a looking forward, better. There's a better city to come. There is a better, you know. And so it's kind of a uh, look backwards and see that Jesus is better, but also look forward mm-hmm. and know that there's something better. To come
1: yeah yeah I, I yes I agree completely in in that thought of like it was a rejoicing to see like everything that had been promised in the Old Testament and yet there's still hope for us as believers today like there's still better to come and so it was fun to look back and see the rejoicing but know that there's more rejoicing to be had like it's still to come
0: was there one of those better thans that really stuck out to you personally that was man I really hadn't thought about that one much before mm-hmm. or anything there?
1: Um, really, Hebrews twelve hit me pretty hard, and I think it was the combination of Hebrews eleven and twelve together, um, that really stuck out as the as the better word as we're talking about just being faithful and how he just speaks a better truth into our lives and how that radiates in everything and it helps us to be faithful when we have we have a firm grasp of what the better word is.
0: Yeah, Tori, I know that you you talked a lot about Hebrews eleven and twelve as well. Set up, set that up for us. I mean, what is in Hebrews eleven, um, and how does that flow into Hebrews twelve? What what is what's so significant about eleven, and how does that encourage us today?
2: So, while we don't know who the specific audience was um, that this letter was written to, we do know that they were. Um, believers who had come from a Jewish background, and so they were facing extreme persecutions at this time, and a lot of them were turning back and going back to their Jewish faith and giving up Jesus, who was the better gift that they had been given, the better salvation that they had been given. So that was one of the goals that the author of Hebrews had, was to point out that Jesus was better, and then also a call for perseverance. And so in Hebrews 11, a lot of times it's called the of faith because it goes through all these Old Testament believers uh who had faith-filled lives and who were facing difficulties and impossible circumstances and they trusted in a bigger and better God. And for us as believers, I mean that's encouraging. That's um That's some of our brothers and sisters that were facing difficulties, and even as we're facing difficulties and sufferings in our life, we get to look back on those as well uh, to be encouraged by their examples. And yet, even though we have them as good examples, just as Jesus is better than everything else, He's also the better example when it comes to suffering well, because when we go into Hebrews 12 in those first three verses, it talks about... Uh, laying aside Every sin, every weight, because we have so great a cloud of witnesses and look towards Jesus, who is our source and perfecter of faith. And that source and perfecter of faith, we often overlook it because we're so focused on the cloud of witnesses and laying aside every sin and weight. But Jesus is our source of salvation and He's the perfecter of our faith. He's the one that's given us salvation and He's the one that um, allows the sanctification process to happen. And He's the better example through it because He was innocent, completely blameless, and yet He suffered on this earth more than any of us could, and yet He did it perfectly. And so even in that, He's the better example, which, I mean, is a huge encouragement to us as New Testament believers getting to look through that lens of here is our better hope, here are our brothers and sisters who've suffered well, but here is Jesus who suffered perfectly.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I think even even to just pull us into that larger story. I think a lot of times, you know, I can look back at Old Testament figures or New Testament and it's like, well, yeah, I know in theory that applies to me in some way, but does it really, you know, that sort of thing. And, and, and so Hebrews 11 is just so grand at saying, no, no, we're part of this, this grander story. Um, and then I love the the focus on, I mean, so much of Hebrews 11 is, hey, by faith, they did this, by faith, they did that. And It's like, okay, let me kind of muscle up and, and get my faith out. And then Hebrews 12 immediately, I mean, it's the next verse, it says, you know, he's the author and perfecter, source and perfecter is I think what you said. And so, yeah, it, yes, you're supposed to have faith, but it it doesn't come from yourself. There's a source that's Jesus, mm-hmm. and it's not even something that you can perfect on your own. And so um, I think that that's just, uh, that's really neat and encouraging. So. Um, okay, both of you guys speak into this one because I, I know it showed up. Um, in, in as both of you taught, but just as we looked at the Old Testament, I mean, some of the language that comes out there is Old Covenant and New Covenant. Um, and so, as we look at the Old Covenant and the New Covenant, like what's the what's the distinction between them? How does how does Hebrews talk about them? Either one of you can 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 take this one first, but just connection between Old Covenant and New Covenant.
2: Right. Well, I did not realize how much of a problem I had with the Old Covenant until I started studying Hebrews. I, for some reason, it seemed like this impossible task that never got done on my to-do list, and it just keeps lingering off into the background. Like, that's my underlying feelings that I had about it that I didn't realize I had until studying Hebrews. And I knew that Jesus had fulfilled the Old Covenant, but it never clicked that Jesus had taken care of the Old Covenant and fulfilled it so that it's not something we have to worry about anymore as far as um, our actions, our lives. And so uh, at the same time, I had been reading through the Sermon on the Mount, and it talks about how Uh, Those who hunger and thirst after righteousness, they will be filled. And then it goes into your righteousness must be greater than the scribes and Pharisees. And Jesus is that perfect righteousness that was able to fulfill the Old Covenant. And even in the verses before, and um, I think it's in Matthew 5, uh, it talks about how He came not to abolish the Old Covenant, but to fulfill it. And the Old Covenant, I mean, the purpose of it was to point out the sin in our lives and the need for a savior, and he was able to provide that fulfillment there, he was able to provide that perfect sacrifice and be that savior. And so, with that being said, he fulfilled the old covenant, but he also inaugurated the new covenant with one single act of offering himself as a sacrifice. And again, it just never clicked for me that that singular moment when it said, or when he said, It is finished, he finished the old covenant and he was bringing in this new covenant that we now get to live under.
0: That's good. And, and maybe, you know, Randy, you can speak to this as well. I mean, even back up a little bit and say, okay, when we say old covenant, I mean, how's, how is, you know, the author of Hebrews understanding, what is that? I mean, is it simply the book of Exodus? Is it, you know, I mean, what, what is the the quote old covenant? Mm-hmm. What is that per se?
1: Yeah. Um, I think, I think it's interesting cuz we come to Hebrews in a very new testament mindset. And so we don't have like the longing that they would have had, like the anticipation of this we need something greater cuz I mean all along the Lord has been building these covenants with his people. He's he's dwelling with them. And so we have we see it um in the very beginning, he does one with Adam. And then we have another one with Noah. And then we have another covenant that comes with Abraham, this promise of a people that are going to come and I'm going to dwell with those people and you're going to be a great nation. And then we have another covenant that comes with David and he is going to, he's going to, I mean, as great as David is, there's still one to come that in this kingdom, you won't even be able to recognize what all I'm going to do through the kingdom that this king is going to bring. And so it's, everything in the Old Testament, the Lord had been promising them, and it just kept building, and the longing kept building, because the brokenness just kept coming, and they were off in captivity, and and they're longing for that day. Specifically, in Jeremiah, we see where God promises, because they're about to go into exile, they are rebelling, and Jeremiah is trying to call them back, call them back to favor with the Lord, call them back to everything He's asked them to do, and they are rebelling again. And even... Even then God's great mercy shows and he says, you know what, there's going to come a day and I'm going to give you a new covenant that changes your hearts like it's going to be inside of you like it will change everything it's no longer just these written on stones with Moses on Mount Sinai where you got to see a glimpse of me but you were terrified to come up on the mountain like you didn't want to come and there's going to come a day where you, I'm going to dwell in your own
0: heart and this and is I'm, back in the old testament it where you're saying is. Jeremiah all of this is all of it
1: old testament and so they they had a longing for it that we kind of neglect at some level as new testament believers we just don't get the angst that they were feeling and when when even in hebrews this audience that is suffering and still like they know jesus is it but they're still questioning like okay this is still hard like why does this not seem easier um and this author is so gracious through the holy spirit to remind like you don't understand what you're even asking like to have him in our hearts i mean i think that's the the fulfillment of this new new covenant like a. God dwelling within us and changing us from the inside out is completely different than the external. Bring you my goat and bring you my calf, and I'll let the priest handle this for me. Um, like it changes that relationship. Like there's a closeness and an intimacy with God that the majority of the Old Testament believers never had. There was a distance. They, they just couldn't get close enough to God. They couldn't get to the Holy of Holies. There was no possibility. And this new covenant allows that, like an intimacy with God. Um, so why would we ever want to go back to something other than that, like an yeah. intimacy with the Lord?
0: Yeah, yeah. and I mean, even as you say that, I'm thinking, you know, you said they, they would go to the priests and say, in a sense, handle this for me. Mm-hmm. Well, what do we do under Jesus? Essentially, it's the same thing. We mm-hmm. say, handle this for me. But Hebrews is going to say those high priests had their own sin. I mean, it says they had to offer sacrifices day after day, but Jesus being the better, I mean, to use that word again, that better high priest, he offered one sacrifice for sin for all time because he was a perfect high priest. And so, um, so yeah, so it's this idea, the the longing, the longing for someone to take care of things for us, to allow us uh, to approach God that has been taken care of in a better way than ever before. So, um, okay, what about for you guys? I mean, you guys spent a lot of time uh, prepping for this. Uh, was there a spot uh, in Hebrews, maybe one we've talked about, maybe one we haven't, that just, it's just stuck with you? Just personally, it's been challenging uh, changing the way you think, the way you act. I mean, what's been what's been personally good or impactful?
1: We were talking about this a little bit earlier just um just this theme of suffering and enduring well and, um, something someone said in another Bible study that really stuck with me is it kind of ties the Hebrews 11 and 12 together. And that those are the two chapters that just hit me really differently this, this time. It's not that I've never read them. Um, but it was the question he asked the question, who do you want to be like? And I mean, of course we want our names written in this hall of faith. I mean, who doesn't want those, but i And the reality is I don't want it with the difficulties that it took them. Like, I don't want Noah's experience of preaching for a hundred years and no one, like, responding. Like, I don't want those things, like the difficulties that they had to walk through and trust the Lord and never fully seeing the end of it. Um, And then you get to 12, and Tori was so articulate in how she explained the first part of 12 and that's what kept hitting me because the two words that he only uses them twice as far as i know were consider jesus mm-hmm. like he uses them at the very beginning of the letter and then then again at the very beginning of 12 like yeah consider jesus and how he deals with your sin and how he willingly did that um so when you're thinking about not being faithful, I want you to consider him. And when you're considering going back to a different way, I want you to consider Jesus. Like there is no other option. There is nothing better. There is nothing um, that you could sacrifice that would ever be worth it in comparison to him. And so the, who do I want to be like? And I want to be like my Jesus. Yeah. I want to be that Philippians 2 humility, um, which comes with a lot of humiliation. I mean, ultimately. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. And
1: well, I want to be that. And some days I can through the power of Christ.
0: <laughs> I think that word consider is so huge because it is, we kind of roll through. I mean, even in Philippians, it says, you know, consider one another more important than yourselves. Mm-hmm. I mean, but just kind of a push to say, what do you consider? And I think Hebrews, that's one of the questions is going to come up is, what do you what is it like to consider Jesus to think on him to to respond to him to live in light of him um you know Hebrews 10 is going to say let us consider how to stimulate one another to love and good deeds like we're mm-hmm. supposed to on some level sit around and think about how to help others do good that's something we're supposed to consider to think about and so i think that's a great point to say what do i consider um i think that's really good so so do that randy that'd be great <laughs>
2: Yeah, for me, the main takeaway that I got was in chapters 9 and 10, where it talks about Jesus as the high priest and as the perfect sacrifice and how we are able to approach God because of that. Mm -hmm. Uh, Part of the structure of Hebrews is Jesus is better than the angels, Jesus is better than Moses, and Jesus is better than the Levitical priesthood. And if you look at how they had to approach God in the Old Testament, you think of Isaiah 6, where the angels are covered, their face, covering their feet, and just complete awe and wonder in God's throne room. And then Moses is only able to catch a slight glimpse of God as he passes by him. And the people of Israel, when they're given the Old Covenant, is terrified to approach the mountain because I mean, there's thunder, there's lightning, there is this smoke and fire that's on top of this mountain. So they ask Moses to go in their place. And then you have the Levitical priesthood who only the high priest was able to enter the holiest of holies one day every year on the day of atonement. And his sin was so heavy on his mind and the sin of the people was so heavy on his mind that he had to enter with fear and trembling because of what he was about to do approaching a holy God with this knowledge of the sins of the people. And um, even if you look at whenever the Levitical priesthood was created, shortly after uh, Aaron's sons didn't offer the proper incense and were struck down and killed, and so that's weighing heavy on their mind as well. So there's a lot of fear in going into the presence of God. But then when you have Jesus as the better sacrifice and the better high priest, He's opened this way for us to approach God in a new way, entering into the very presence of God without fear, without shame, without trembling. And it's just, it's so phenomenal in Hebrews 10... Um, starting in verse 19, it says, Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain, that is through his flesh, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith. With our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water, let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for He who promised is faithful. Mm -hmm. And so we get to go without wavering. We get to go with full assurance. We get to go with the righteousness of Jesus covering us as we enter into the very presence of God. And I think that was the most impactful for me of... Mm Am I truly entering into the presence of God with that knowledge that Jesus is interceding on my behalf with His full righteousness, and that's how God sees me? Is that affecting how I approach Him every day? So I think that was my biggest like mm-hmm. lesson throughout all of it, is just how we get to approach God now because of what Jesus has done. Mm-hmm.
0: That's great. Uh, you know, in that passage you read, you know, I noticed there's a couple times where it says, you know, basically, since this, then let us blank. And so I think there's just a neat model there of when you get uh, who Jesus is, what he has done, then there's impact in how you think, how you live. And so I think Hebrews, along with the whole Bible, the Hebrews <laughs> points us to that. So, um well, thanks, guys, for, for taking the time to teach and then taking the time to, to join us here today. And uh, we, we'll do it again.
1: Thanks, Andrew. Thanks.
0: You've been listening to the Bears Institute podcast, a production of Bears Ministries. For more information, visit lightbears.com.